Hi, everybody. This is P. Norman Grant with Slim Jim and another episode of The Grapefruit Agenda. Why grapefruit? Well, we're sweet on conservatism and sour on liberalism. We summarize, analyze, criticize, and scrutinize what might be called the news here on the Treasure Coast, around the state of Florida, and across the nation. Today's episode is titled, What If They Gave a War and All the Troops Were Woke? It's really taken off an article from Jimmy Byrne in the Wall Street Journal. His was entitled, What If They Gave a War and Everybody Was Woke? I'm talking about the troops. Are the troops woke? This is about the troops being woke. So it's a further explanation if people have not answered the question, what is woke? We're going to find out. So with all the conflagration in the world, Ukraine, China's about to jump on Taiwan. We've got the Iranians nuking up. We got North Korea getting those missiles up in the air. We got the Paraguayans, Venezuelans, Guatemalans. I mean, we all cut, and that's just the foreign terrorists. We got Democrats too. So some, we have some conflict around the world. So Victor Davis Hanson, one of my faves, has got to have a, a word or two about everything, and this is more than two words about being woke in the military. His article is in his American Greatness website. It's called How to Erode the World's Greatest Military. If you look around, folks, and see all the old folks like, not Jim and me, but other people with um, Korean War hats, Vietnam vet hats, a lot of vets around this area. And I wonder if they think that their grandchildren are ready to volunteer to go into the military and protect the United States of America. I wonder what the percentages of the grandchildren would be to volunteer. So Victor Davis Hanson's got an idea. The U.S. Army has met only 40% of its 2022 recruiting goals. In fact, all branches of the military are facing historic resistance to their current recruiting efforts. If some solution is not found quickly, the armed forces will radically shrink or be forced to lower standards or both. Such a crisis occurs importunely as an aggressive Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea believe the Biden administration and the Pentagon have lost traditional U.S. deterrence. Did you get that word, Sim Jim? Importunely. Yes. I think it's like, unfortunately. Yes. That pessimistic view abroad, unfortunately, is now shared by many Americans at home. In 2021, the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute conducted this periodic poll of attitudes toward the U.S. military. The result was astonishing. Currently, only 45% of Americans polled expressed a great deal of trust in their armed forces. Confidence had dived 25 points since an early 2018 poll. Well, thank goodness it's ahead of Congress and ahead of polls about supporting the media. But the greatest skedaddle in modern American history, this is Victor Davis Hanson. A year ago, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley Boy, there's a couple of two officers I'd follow in the jungle, huh? Yeah, really? Yeah, let me follow them. We're assuring the country not to worry over Joe Biden's strange ideas of abruptly pulling out all U.S. troops from Afghanistan. The radical step was purportedly to coincide with Biden's planned 20-year celebratory event marking his role in ensuring an iconic end of the war on terror that began on September 11, 2001, just like FDR would do and, of course, Winston Churchill and Joe Biden, if you put them on the new the new mountain up there in South Dakota. What followed was the worst U.S. military humiliation since Pearl Harbor. 
U.S. forces abandoned hundreds, if not thousands, of American contractors and loyal Afghan employees, a $1 billion embassy, a huge $300 million refitted airbase, and reportedly some. So Joe was a hero there, basically. Thank you, Victor. Joe, the military hero. Thirteen Americans were murdered by terrorists during the chaotic flight. In response, the United States mistakenly blew up tennis. And Joe, you know where we're going with this. So Victor Davis Hanson is calling you out. The global aftermath was eerie. Russia, in a few months thereafter, invaded Ukraine. Iran proudly announced it would soon have enough fissionable material to make a nuclear weapon. North Korea resumed its provocative missile launches. China openly talked of storming Taiwan. And just recently, they've been bombing just right off the sand. I think they're bombing the bluefish right next to the shore. The common denominator was the global perception that any president and military responsible for such colossal televised incompetence would or could neither deter enemy aggression nor protect allied interests. I loved Victor Davis. Televised incompetence. Don't they have a January 6th show about that, too? Is that They do. Televised incompetence. In response, widely reported fear arose among the ranks of some American officers and the enlisted mid-level officers especially claimed they were ignored after warning that the abrupt withdrawal was suicidal. That Pentagon grandees... Grandees, I like that. Pentagon grandees were lying about the dire facts on the grounds in efforts to lubricate the Biden agenda. Now, Jim, do you know why I love, <laughs> I love my, I like my Victor Davis Hanson, the Stanford boy. It's to lubricate the Biden agenda, make it easier for Joe to do what he wants, if you didn't get that implication there. Grapefruiters and that thousands of Americans and loyal Afghans would be cast adrift along with our NATO allies. The shame of defeat and the cloud of incompetence from Afghanistan has continued to harm recruitment efforts of the military. I would think I'd agree with him and see if this is the army I'm going to join, and we get the top brass disagreeing with the middle brass. But this is interesting. The white rage unicorn, unicorn meaning strange anomaly. About a year ago, Austin and Chairman Milley took time out from assuring Americans that all would be well in Kabul to testify before Congress about the Pentagon's effort to address white rage in the six-month aftermath of the January 6th riot. This is what's on their mind, the heads of our military, white rage. Both were also asked to explain why the armed services were recommending soldiers read inter alia, that means mandatory, the often discredited anti-racist theories of Ibram X. Kendi. His polarizing doctrine asserts that the entire U.S. system of government, all social and political life, and our very culture are racist to core. This is what Milley and Austin are recommending almost mandatory, to all our troops. As a result, Kennedy's solutions requires radical and overt racial preferencing and discrimination, supposedly, to fight such an insidious system. <laughs> Yet what was startling about the two officials' testimonies was the utter lack of data showing any general trends that white soldiers are any more or less likely to practice racial discrimination or chauvinism than any other ethnic and racial groups in the military. An array of officers defending various workshops and coursework at the military academies purporting that white rage is an existential problem in the military. White rage is an existential problem in the military, say the head, the chief of staff, Chairman Milley, and the head of our military, Mr. Austin. Okay, so in their emphasis on diversity, equity, and inclusion, the latest euphemisms for using race and gender quotas to assure proportional or even reparatory representation that means the whole military should represent exactly the demographics of our country, I assume. Throughout the officers' corps, Austin and Miller seemed entirely oblivious that the U.S. Army depends on generations of family loyalty to the armed forces. 
Such heritage and legacy considerations have ensured a steady stream of recruits for frontline combat duties. So traditionally, 40% of new recruits cite the military service of their parents, not to mention their veteran grandparents. Currently, only 13% of new recruits arrive from such military families. They're getting turned off. Turned off to the military. Yet Austin and Millie made no connection between the Pentagon fixations on current hot-button social issues and its apparent inability to secure an honorable and safe withdrawal from Afghanistan. And, of course, he goes on just a little bit more from Victor Davis Hanson. There is a general perception in and outside the military that the top ranks of the services are increasingly politicized. High-profile officers have used the great authority, influence, and power of the Pentagon in polarizing progressive advocacy roles from transgenderism to abortion to the detriment of military efficacy and lethality. Much of unhappiness with the military arises partly from the woke hysteria, the institutional disdain for Donald Trump and his response to it, and the perceived rewards for those retired military lobbyists and corporate board members who reflect a new woke creed. The nadir, the bottom, N-A-D-I-R, nadir. The nadir in politicization came in 2021 when it was revealed that Milley secretly contacted his Chinese communist counterpart during the height of the 2020 presidential election. Milley claimed he believed that his own commander-in-chief, Donald Trump, was unstable. And so after his layman's diagnosis, he wished to assure the People's Liberation Army's ranking, that's China, his ranking officer, that he would tip the Chinese off about any thought of a preemptive American strike on China. Milley also ordered his own subordinate theater officers to report to him first should Trump contemplate any nuclear action against China. Remember that, Slim Jim? He was reporting to the Chinese, you know, uh, we'll let you know if we're going to bomb you because this guy might just... Uh, sounds like treason. Uh, that sounds like the big T. Yeah. Upon public disclosure of those facts, Milley should have been summarily fired. By law, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs is an advisory official only. The position enjoys no operational command. Milley violated the chain of command by usurping theater authority that was not his. Nor can a military long exist if its iconic leader freelances in contacting enemy counterparts without the knowledge of the commander-in-chief. This sounds like a lot of freelancing, too. It's just like DeSantis with the freelancing of these prosecutors all across the country. We want to stamp out these people who don't respect the the ladder of command. Yeah. The chain of command. How can I remember? How can I forget the chain of command? I had chains on me for two and a half years. Can we imagine the outrage that would ensue if Milley should once again warn his Chinese counterpart that another president, Joe Biden, in the chairman's own opinion, suffers bouts of cognitive debility and early onset senility, forcing Milley to take matters in his own hands? Yet such freelancing insubordination is now Milley's legacy, and no such thing will happen. In the Washington Post post op-ed, Retired generals, uh, you don't know these guys, melodramatically and without evidence warned the nation of a supposedly impending coup should their commander-in-chief, Donald Trump, be elected again in 2024. Wow. These are dudes that are still there. Well, no, they're retired, but they're, they're in there. They're so unfortunately, the crisis in the U.S. military transcend even the Afghanistan misadventure, unsupported accusations against an entire demographic, the white rage, the erosion of military familial loyalty, the people whose grandkids aren't going in, freelancing politicized officers like Millie and Austin, and asymmetrical applications of laws and codes we love our Victor Davis Hanson. Similarly, I'm looking at another guy who's onto this case from the Heritage Foundation. This is by a Mr. Spur. Military recruiting faces its biggest challenge in years, but what he's mostly interested in is just disqualification, an unqualified 
the unqualified legions of men and boys who probably won't make the grade. He represents the factor I call the fat boys. The fat boys. It could be the fat boys in the video game fat boys. Big news is that the number of Americans qualified to join the military without a waiver continues to plummet. Since 2014, the military has been reporting that obesity, criminal history, physical problems, drug use, or lack of a high school degree, only 29% of Americans qualify to join the military without a waiver. Which leads me to ask, when are we going to draft the women? We could draft the women, Jim Slim Jim. Sure. Matter of fact, I'm thinking about... We may need to draft somebody. Well, I'm thinking about the illegals that are coming over in the millions. I mean, if they were to volunteer... Say they have, out of every three, because they're all males, they're all military-age males coming across the border, military-age males, we would volunteer them one out of every two, 50%, just like the gangs of New York. Remember the movie, The Gangs of New York? The Irish came over on the boats in New York City. They said, well, you can sign up right here to be a citizen, and you're going down to Alabama and fight for us, okay? Yeah, that's a deal. So we could do that with the, the Venezuelans and the Ecuadorians. So if we don't have enough people who are in shape, we could either draft women or we could conscript Paraguayans. Yeah. Possible. And offer them uh, citizenship for, for their they, That's actually it was. And I was I was in Vietnam with people who were there from Poland. Yeah. And that's what they told them. They did two and a half years in the military. Boom. Here's the last one. This is by Jimmy Byrne. He's the one that gave us our title. What if they gave a war and everybody was woke? But this, this comes from a bumper sticker. It's back in the day. Speaking of the, when I was in Vietnam and uh, got out to be a peacenik, and I saw, maybe I wrote it. it. What if they gave a war and nobody came? That's really the the peace sign version of this title. So that's where Jimmy Byrne got it. But he's talking about Joe Biden. Joe Biden, on his first day in office, President Biden rescinded a Trump-era executive order banning critical race theory training in the military. The changes made by senior commanders were nearly immediate. Defense Secretary, here he is, Lloyd Austin, mandated that every military unit conduct a, quote, stand down to confront, quote, extremism in the ranks. The chief of naval operations, Mike Gilday, added Ibram Kendi, there he is again, how to be an anti-racist to his professional reading list for sailors. Never mind the book's endorsement of racial discrimination and its charges that the institution's troops swear to protect are systematically racist. Can you imagine being in the Navy? And they tell you to read a book that the Navy that you're in is systematically racist. Would you want to get, sign up for another hitch, Slim Jim? No. I don't care if you're sending me to Hawaii. So as we see Mr. Burns' thesis, he ends with young Americans of all stripes who crave adventure, challenge, and discipline, and who are inspired by the ideas of serving their country are who the military needs. They shouldn't be told that they're part of the problem. Pentagon leaders need to welcome these groups, refrain from divisive political and social causes, and stop pushing political agendas that may ultimately hurt our ability to recruit, fight, and win. So grapefruit is in this time of conflict. We need to feel a little more comfortable, a little more confident that our military is working for us. So whenever you can, not only squeeze in a grapefruit agenda, but get a hold of a young lad or young lass and say, we are worth, we are worth your two years in the military. We're worth fighting for. If you don't think so, We've got bigger problems than China and Russia. This is P. Norman Grant and Slim Jim. Please squeeze in another grapefruit agenda whenever you can. And you can email us. Where can you email us, Slim Jim? Grapefruit451 at Outlook.com. That's Grapefruit451 at Outlook.com. 
P. Norman Grant and Slim Jim with another episode of the Grapefruit Agenda. Squeeze one in whenever you can.